Would you put your hands together for the worship team today? Thank you, guys. Appreciate you so, so much. We're doing a series on the, uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. You know, Jesus was impressed with a Roman centurion. Here was this guy who, you know, had, he had not converted to Judaism or anything like that. We know Cornelius, another Roman centurion who gets mentioned in the book of Acts, was converted to Judaism. And then he became convinced of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this was just a centurion who would ride around the streets of uh, Jerusalem on his horse. And he'd hear the things that were going on and he saw the things that were going on. And one day he said to Jesus, Sir, I have a servant who is uh, very, very ill, deathly ill. Would you pray for him? And Jesus is getting ready to go to his house and the centurion says to Jesus, I'm not worthy of you, just speak the word. This was a man who understood delegated authority. He understood that Rome was the ruling empire of that day, and he knew how powerful it was. But for him to say what he said, he obviously understood that there was a spirit realm, and this Jesus had mastery in the spirit realm. He understood that when Caesar said go, men would march even to their death. And he watched the things that Jesus did every day of the week on the streets of Jerusalem, around Galilee. And he understood that this Jesus had an authority that far surpassed natural authority. And with his understanding of governmental authority. He translated what he knew in the natural. Hear me. He translated what he understood from natural principles to spiritual principles. I want you to keep that in mind. And with the faith that he had for the natural realm, he converted his faith to believing in the supernatural. And Jesus said, Amazing faith. I have never seen faith like this in all of Judea. I'd like to be that kind of guy. How many of you would like to be able to surprise Jesus, so to speak, or hear Jesus say, I love the faith I see on you? You know, we, we wear Nike, we wear Adidas, we wear all different labels of designers, and people look and, you know, the better the label, supposedly, the better we look. You know what I want to be dressed in? Tremendous faith. I want to have powerful compassion that leads to passion that leads to incredible faith. Can I get an agreement here this morning? Amen. You know, I, I, I said this man took his faith from the natural, what he understood from the natural, and he just released it into the realm of the Spirit. And um, I want to help you take a step like that in just a moment. May 30th, only a couple of days ago, 
first two Americans in over a decade climbed aboard an American rocket ship and launched into outer space from American soil. We've been somewhat absent in terms of um, space involvement as far as producing our own ships. Every astronaut that we sent to the space station was sent on a, rock, a, a, um, a rocket from uh, Russia and cost us $80 million per seat, per astronaut. And so it was big news. I don't know how many of you saw the launch of uh, the uh, Falcon 9. How many of you got to see the launch of the Falcon 9? Okay, for those of you who didn't, we're going to have a quick, quick, quick view of that today. Because these two men have got to have incredible faith in the people behind them. Uh, SpaceX is the company working together with NASA. SpaceX has been owned by uh, Elon Musk, the, uh, the owner of Tesla, and uh, an incredibly smart man. Personally, I'm not sure that I'd want to sit on a seat that has nine rocket engines behind me going at a speed of 7,607 miles an hour under incredible gravitational pull and pressure to go to a space station some 220 to 250 miles above the earth. And what's even more incredible about all of this, these two men went into that spacecraft, the top of the, the rocket Falcon 9 is the, the, the body that houses the nine rockets. And at the very top, the capsule, the spacecraft, is called Dragon. And they, they enter into that, that capsule knowing full well that this is fully automated. Fully automated. All the controls, all the driving, all the uh, uh, landing, docking, everything is taking place back home on earth. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, when they talk about fully automated cars driving on the highway, uh, I wince a little bit. I don't know that I have that much faith to go on a 200-mile trip on dry ground and let some car do the thinking for me. I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit hesitant. And here are two men get into this spacecraft and they allow these rockets to rev up behind them and shoot them out in a space and then dock with the space station all on its own. And it's quite magnificent. And they say that the hardest part isn't going up. The hardest part is coming down alive. <laughs> How would you like to know that after you got up there, the hardest part is still ahead of you. <laughs> and so what I've done is I've edited a couple, two videos. I've actually, Jade edited two videos for me. And we're going to see a very quick launch, the very launch that took place May 30th, a, few, uh, a week ago. And then we're going to see the Dragon, the space capsule from prior trips, Every trip prior to this one was without human beings inside. And we're going to see how it lands. And you have to rely on these parachutes 
properly opening. And in one of these prior landings, you're going to see the very last stage, uh, an additional four parachutes open up. They're humongous. And for a while, you start to think, gee, they don't look very wide open. And they finally get wider and wider. And right at the last few moments, it looks as if those four parachutes are going to collide. And you hear the people at the space station take a breath and start to go, oh, you watch. This is what these men have put their faith in. Thank you, Jade. Uh, what a gorgeous shot of Dragon coming back down. can't ask for a more picture-perfect <laughs> shot than that. Uh, it's 100 meters above the, the surface of the ocean. So next up, spin, standing by for splashdown. Amazing, incredible, what the arm of man can do, what the mind of man can achieve. But I want to tell you today that every one of those men and women behind the scenes from making the simplest of calculations to the people constructing the, the rockets, constructing the heat shields, etc., etc., every one of them, take one step at a time every day. And every one of them are just as human as you and just as fallible as you and just as needy as you. And I don't know that I want to put my security at such a tremendous uh, length in the hands of people that are just like me. But this is what I do know. As amazing as that is and as successful as they are, we are not putting ourselves in the hands of men. We are putting ourselves in the hands of Jesus Christ. Come on. Can I get an agreement? You know, we've been facing uncertainties. We've been facing a change. We've been facing drama. We've been facing many, many things in recent months that has got our 
has got us scratching our heads. But I want to tell you that as we move forward, there is confidence in the power of the name of Jesus. There is confidence in the character of God that he loves us, he cares for us, and he's taking uh, every precaution to watch us. My father is watching over me, and my father is watching over you. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Absolutely. I want you to think for a moment. Here's Jesus walking the earth with his disciples. And you got to remember, you know, they're looking for this Messiah to come. They didn't know he was going to come with an extra bonus gift pack of being able to do miracles. They just wanted someone who would take the seat of David's throne and overthrow the Roman Empire and validate Israel and make it the next great empire. And uh, from there, all the nations of the world would convert to Judaism and that would take us on into the millennium and what a happy life we'll have. They never expected this Jesus to have come with healing in his wings. They never expected this Jesus to come with authority to stop the wind and calm the waves. They never expected this Messiah, this Yeshua, to have such an effect on the economy that he could take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 5,000 people. Come on, that's got to be an economy uh, a disaster that is reversed in Jesus' name. Can I get an agreement? Whatever happens in the economy, you have a God who can feed the multitudes with two fish and five loaves. I like that. Really, when you, uh, when you look at it that way, that's the best kind of Messiah you can get. He can stop the wind. He can calm the waves. He can speak to the powers of darkness and tell them to shut up. And then the beauty of it is that he gave that same authority. Now hear what I just said. He didn't give a portion. He gave the same authority to his disciples. He said, I give you power. In the Greek, it was exousia. Exousia, governmental authority, the token of control, the right to have jurisdiction. We understand that Jesus has power. We understand that Jesus has authority. But I want you to understand that irrespective of your performance on a day-to-day -day basis, irrespective of whether you were annoyed in the car on your way to church or not, we don't come in the power of our name. We don't come in the success of our day-to-day -day existence. We come in the name, the reputation, and the success of Jesus Christ. The authority isn't diminished because of me. Hey, listen. If the cameras could keep up with me, listen to me. I can't stay behind there forever. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Listen to me. If the gates of hell can't stop the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, how are my weaknesses going to stop it? When I say, when you say, when we say, in Jesus' name, 
Your limitations do not curtail the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I want to share a scripture with you. And uh, uh, guys on the uh, overhead there, Tony, I'm going to come down uh, halfway through my sermon. And uh, I want to jump straight to John chapter 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. And I'm reading this from the New King James Version. I, I realize many times I read from the New International Translation. Uh, I, like, I like looking and reading the Word of God from many different translations. And uh, so this morning, this particular passage from the New King James Version, Jesus says, starting in verse 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. Now, Prior to Jesus saying that, he starts the conversation off with most assuredly. See, incredible faith is when we are most assured. Incredible faith is when we take Jesus at his word and believe that the governmental authority that he has is just as powerful in our hand and in our mouth as it is in his hand and in his mouth. Hallelujah. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Greater. You see, the enemy paralyzes our, our faith with the law of diminishing returns. In the kingdom of darkness, which governs this world, things go from bad to worse. The law of entropy governs the nature of earth. Everything starts from a state of excellence and it degenerates. Everything is aging. Everything is dying. Everything is wearing out. That's the protocol of the kingdom of darkness. But in the kingdom of God, the pattern of life and life more abundantly is that everything goes from glory to greater glory and greater glory and greater glory. Hallelujah. And so sometimes we allow the law of diminishing returns to affect our faith. But Jesus said, most assuredly, I tell you, the things I've done, you're going to do also and greater. No diminishing returns. Increase. Increase. I love it. How many of you can say, I love it? He goes on to say, um, <clears throat> he says, why will you have increase? Because I go to my father. You know what that means? He's up there interceding. 
He's up there, and when you bind something, he's saying, come on, Dad, that's one of your kids. They're using my name. And when you release the Holy Spirit and the power of God to work in an impossible situation, Jesus is up there interceding and saying, that's my boy, I'm proud of them. That's my girl, I'm proud of her. They're believing it, they're believing it. They're becoming convinced. I see the faith rising. I see the faith rising, hallelujah. We wanna be people who have the faith rising, hallelujah. We wanna be people who are growing in incredible faith. He goes on and he says, and whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it so that the Father will gain glory in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want you to, I, uh, we're going to take that word assuredly, assuredly out of the biblical context here for a moment. And I want us to look at the word assuredly just from a, a linguistic perspective. According to the Merriam-Webster uh, Merriam Dictionary, the word most assuredly means, number one, without a doubt, certainly. Without a doubt, certainly. So take most assuredly. Forget everything Jesus said. Just take the word assuredly. And according to the laws of our language... Just the word assuredly, not attached to Jesus, not attached to anything I do, you'll do also, and greater, but by English command, the word assuredly means without a doubt, certainly. Its second meaning is in an assured manner, confidently. Now, some of the cinnamons for the word assuredly, based on the Merriam-Webster dictionary, are words like definitely, doubtlessly, hands down, inarguably, incon uh, incontestably, indisputably, undeniably, undoubtedly, unquestionably. That's a powerful word, most assuredly, or assuredly. Would you agree that's a powerful word? Would you agree that our English language has given it a definition that is extremely forceful, powerful, guaranteed, like a, like, like a, a covenant? Would you agree? And that's just a word. That's not the word of God. You see, if a word in the English language can have such definiteness about it, then what happens when a word like that comes out of the mouth of God? What happens when those words are followed by words, what I do, you can do also? What I do, you can do also. What I do, you're going to be doing even bigger and better, and I'm going to be excited about it. I don't get insecure. I don't feel threatened. I am thrilled to know that my disciples are going to go beyond me. Listen, this is Jesus' expectation, that we go beyond him. Man, I can't, I can't think of a more exciting thing that it is the will of God. You could read that 
that verse and say to yourself, it is the will of God for me to go beyond the miracles of Jesus Christ. You see, every morning we wake up, we eat our cereal. We have an omelet or maybe a piece of toast. And somebody's thinking, I don't have breakfast. Okay, somewhere in the day you eat. And somewhere every day we need to eat the Word of God and keep reminding ourselves it is written. It is written. It is written. Of course the enemy is going to bring a bluff. Of course the enemy is going to try to rattle and shatter you. Of course the enemy is going to say no. Of course he's going to stand there and say, I don't believe you. What he's saying is, I'm not convinced that you're convinced. Did Jesus lie? Did Jesus lie? He didn't settle for you doing what he did. It's the will of God that you and I do greater. And I find that the only thing that really needs to change in this context is a distance of about six or eight inches from my left ear to my right ear. I don't walk in 100% of faith 100% of the time. But I know how to pump myself up and get myself full of faith. We take the words of God and we believe them. The same way this Roman centurion, he understood the might and the power of the Roman Empire. He understood what authority meant. He understood that soldiers would march when a Caesar gave a command. And if he could take natural principles that he recognized and translate them to Jesus, then surely you and I can understand that in the name of Jesus there is power. And in my Father's kingdom there is great power and authority. And nothing shall be impossible. Praise God. So we saw what assuredly means. Jesus didn't say assuredly. He said most assuredly. In some translations, he says verily, verily. And sometimes, you know, we read that from a religious perspective. It almost sounds a little bit weak. Verily, verily. No. Verily, verily. It's a principle. When you study the Greek, you'll realize that whenever the expression is used, verily, verily, it puts double emphasis on what's about to be said. So here's Jesus putting double emphasis. He doesn't just want you to go beyond what he did. He wants your faith to grow so that you will go beyond what he did. But he's putting a double emphasis on the ever-increasing faith that he wants to see the church manifest in. Hallelujah. Praise God. The phrase, verily, verily, in the Greek is an emphasis marker. It's used to introduce a statement of pivotal importance. Verily, verily. 
I tell you, what I have done, you can do also. And greater. Because I'm going to my Father, and I'm on your side, and I'm praying for you. What I really love about this passage of Scripture, it comes from John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, I don't have time to expand it this morning. But the chapter starts in verse 1 with Jesus saying, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Where are you coming from? <laughs> uh, you about to give us bad news? How many of you know that when you're about to tell someone something that isn't happy no news, you try to calm them down first and get them into a mindset so that they don't freak out, right? So here's Jesus saying, well, verse 1, he says, uh, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. I don't know about that psychology because the moment somebody does that with me, my heart starts racing because I'm getting ready for what they're going to tell me. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on to tell them how he's going to leave, but he's sending them the Holy Spirit and that he will come back for them. Listen to me, church. Last week was Pentecost Sunday. I want you to believe if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to push in and say, God, that's my promise. And with the Holy Spirit comes relationship on another level with the Spirit of God. He's my comforter. He's my teacher. He's my counselor. He's my companion. He's the one who endues me with supernatural power. Uh, he enables me to pray in a language that when I don't know, you know, how many times that have you ever noticed we mess things up sometimes? And when I pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit bypasses my brain and he gets right to the issue. And he knows how to target the root. And here I am, if I was praying in English, I'd be praying about Bobby and Jimmy over here. And God is going straight to the root when I pray in tongues. The power of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still for today. Some people want to believe, well, the Holy Spirit is here with us, but that stuff doesn't happen anymore. If you were to put that into a cartoon image, that means that the dove, the Holy Spirit's got both of his wings tied behind his back. And all he can do is strut a little, but... His power to fly and his power to be limitless has been restricted. I want to tell you, your God is not restricted in any shape or form. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement here this morning? Amen. Amen. I, 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 uh, I urge you. We might be living in times that are a little questionable. And maybe we're heading real quickly towards the end of times. But don't let your heart be discouraged and don't be afraid. We, 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 sometimes we talk about the Antichrist and we talk about the beast and we talk about end times things as if they're so big. Can I let you in on a little revelation? It's the same devil you've been busting in Jesus' name all along. 
I got my food stored up and I got my rounds of ammunition and I'm going to be ready when the Antichrist comes. Who the heck are you fooling? I've got myself filled up on the Word of God and the Word of God is more powerful than a whole arsenal and a whole army. When David came out against the giant, Saul says, hey, young man, you better put some of this stuff on. David tried to oblige him, but in the end he said, you know what? I got a rock and a sling, but better than that, I got the guided hand of the Holy Spirit who will take that rock and let it be a guided missile. You see, church, irrespective of what you're facing and what I'm facing, and irrespective of what the news wants to shout and what the news wants to say, whether it's true news, fake news, blue news, it doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is the good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God is that Christ in you is the reason why you can stand. Jesus Christ in you is the reason why you can overcome. Jesus Christ in us is the reason why devils have got to back down. And when we understand that, and when we believe that, we're like the centurion who says, just speak the word. But notice the centurion, while he had incredible faith, he told Jesus to speak the word. Sometimes Christians get stuck there. Oh God, just, just do it, God. No, God says, I've delegated my authority to you. How much do you believe you're my son? How much do you believe you're my daughter? How much do you believe that you're seated in heavenly places? Come on. I want you to learn how to walk. I want you to learn how to talk. I want you to learn how to run. I want you to learn how to flex your muscles. I want you to know who you are so that you are convinced that you are who I say you are. Amen. Woo! Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Pastor Steve, can I have the worship team come? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Church, would you stand with me right now? Absolutely. By the way, 